everyone. Welcome back to the Puzzle Podcast. I'm Janessa Merrill, your host, and I hope you're doing well. It's been pretty crazy here, and I've been overwhelmed with such a busy schedule that it's like I'm a chicken running around with their head cut off, and I hope that's the metaphor they use for crazy because sometimes I don't know, but today we have such a fun guest. If y'all didn't know, I've been on Twitter since I was 11 or 12, which I feel that started my, oh my God, people on the internet are so cool. And you may also already have seen her on our page talking about self-confidence. We have Emily Fenn here today. Hey, Emily, what's up? Such a nice introduction. Thank you. Um, what's up? How are you? How have you been? Um, this is a bit of a challenge. My school uh, so like I, my school's like a semester system, but we've decided to kind of cut it in between what we call modules. So it's like seven week like periods. And last week was my first week like in school. So I had like seven week, I had like the weekend and then I another. So I, I feel like things are moving a little too fast. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I've been trying to keep myself a little sane, being indoors, um, but also like going out safely and like trying to, you know, not get too locked up in my room. Yeah, definitely. So like when we first connected, she didn't even know I followed her on Twitter, which I think is kind of crazy, like just to see, because it makes (laughs) me think that, oh, whatever I tweet or whatever I post, other people see it and I don't, they might not talk to me, but they see it and like, it really sticks with them, which I just think it's crazy. That's how I feel too, a little bit. I I know I'm not like I don't want to be famous I don't want to be like an Instagram influencer but I am also aware of just what not only because it alters my image but also you know for like future employers but also I don't want to offend anyone by accident I also don't want to make myself look like an absolute fool without the intention Um, and also I don't want to say I have a big following I don't but there's a significant amount of people who do um, so I always just don't want to say something that's so outlandish and so out there that's it's kind of like crazy yeah and definitely like I've geared my Instagram hopefully like towards employers because the amount of times I've been like I didn't get a job because an employer look at my Instagram they're like no your branding is like not there with us and I'm like okay that's (laughs) that's fine yeah when I was like 13 14 or something around the you know young teens I like started as a stand account and I think just I kind of realized that the environment for me just spent all my time on social media. And I do have friends who I made through the, you know, through Twitter, but I have like my real life friends that I wanted to find a good balance between that, but also kind of realizing like what I do. And I want to work in public relations and like the entertainment. And so I didn't want to come across as like very zealous, whether it be like my personal like music taste, my personal like film taste or whatever (laughs) yeah so when we're recording this election day was actually two days ago how do you feel about all of it oh god I feel I'm trying not to so I'm trying to be a little hopeful and I I remember on election night like I went to bed early because I I work at a coffee shop and so I'm used to getting up at 4 a.m so now I you know get tired really early so I I decided like it wasn't worth the stress of (laughs) keeping up with the election knowing that it you know it probably all the votes probably wouldn't be counted like on the third but I remember brushing my teeth there and feeling super hopeful like going to bed like Biden would you know come out ahead and I'm still really hopeful and I'm like really praying and really wishing on that but I know that it's stressed me out especially just seeing a lot of people say you know like whatever the outcome whatever whoever wins like I will still be your friend like it it doesn't matter we always have tomorrow and I'm like that's like coming from a very privileged place yeah and I feel like this is the first time that after election night, everyone is like, okay, what do we do now? Because we generally don't know yeah. who's president right now. Yeah. And I felt past years, like after election night, we knew. And this whole unknown thing is making people super anxious. But right now, last time I checked, Biden is at 264. So I think it's looking pretty good. Yeah, I think I checked it like a few minutes before I did too. And like, oh, I don't know. It, it, it seems kind of close, but I also don't want to undermine whatever else is at play. Just... Yeah, whatever the you know current electoral votes are, because I think we still have like four or five states that we have like yet to count, and I'm like hoping. Yeah, I know that everyone is just counting on Nevada right now, but of course, like other states can like change up too. So we just really don't yeah. know. And you know, by the time you hear this episode, we might already know who is president. But I just want to say, like, after what happens, like, I just hope people just don't give up the fight for others. 
like if it's Trump, then it's even more of a reason to continue fighting and like protesting and all that. Mm-hmm. But if Biden wins, it doesn't give us to be like, oh my God, thank God he can make everything right. Because the system yeah. overall is super corrupt that we can't count on Biden like that. And we need to continue the fight for Black lives, the LGBTQ plus community, women, everyone that this country isn't serving, as well as like topics like climate change and COVID. That's like, I just don't want people to be like, oh, Democrat won, the world is going to suddenly change overnight. But absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I know that like, I've also, you know, I think like with the, I don't want to glamorize the election because I know like for me, especially just, you know, because I'm a woman of color. Um, I know that, you know, things will never, you know, be quote unquote easy for me or for like my community and, you know, people in the LGBTQ community as well as, you know, um, other oppressed communities in the U.S. And so I'm trying as much as I can to just remember, like all you've said, you know, that the fight isn't over, even if I'm going to say when, just hopefully manifesting that, you know, like um, if they get elected, if he gets elected, if Kamala is like VP and, you know, trying to be very hopeful, but also just kind of remembering that, you know, just because they are elected, if they do, um, nothing stays the same and nothing should stay the same. For how I see it, the president serves the people. And if we don't stop making ourselves known with like protests and so many groups of people just get buried. And that's my last thoughts on that. Like it's not political and I just feel like it's just basically doing what's right. And I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, I don't want to get political. I don't want to like talk about all of that because it stresses them out. But it's like, that comes from human rights shouldn't be political yeah (laughs) like you just have so much privilege that you don't realize like what's wrong and i that's how i'm gonna leave it like that had to get that out there but (laughs) i actually wrote an article called growing up as a first generation asian american that will link because everyone needs to read it which there was so many parts of it that i resonated with and you wrote that this country was founded by immigrants. So why doesn't my family enjoy the same benefits? And the whole article, basically, it was just so powerful and it honestly really showed me things that growing up, I didn't realize what was happening because I did grow up in a diverse community where Asians were such a high majority of the population, but drive 15 minutes. It's a complete different story. Mm -hmm. But for you, why were you compelled? Like this was the topic that you wanted to write about. So that... um that story has been in my like drafts on medium for like ages and I think little by little I just kind of realized like in quarantine how frustrated I was that I you know growing up I kind of felt like I didn't really have a place to say because in terms of living comfortably you know even though my family was not the richest we still aren't you know we still struggled but I really felt supported by my mom I felt supported by my sister and I did go to private schools like via scholarships and all that so in terms of kind of how I grew up, I feel very privileged to be able to have had those experiences. But there was also this underlying like thing that I people had always told me, you know, oh, you should be grateful, like you shouldn't be upset or whatever. It's like, I was also the only Asian American kid with the exception of my sister who, you know, I went to school with up until college, uh, kind of just lived in the area and not even lived. Like I live in, in the Bay Area, um, like Daily Cities is where I live. Um, but I went to school in Mill Valley because my mom worked in San Rafael. So I would travel across the bridge twice a day. And I felt so frustrated by people telling me how I should feel. You know, some people in like my, like the Asian American community, but also just people that I grew up with who I knew would never understand, you know, the struggle of what I went through. And so I really, you know, I write a lot and I write to cope and I write to then. And so that was a form of me just, you know, like, I think I started it like in the beginning of June. Um, and then I finished it kind of like the day before it was published, but I really wanted to write it just to air out my grievances and maybe other people out there feel the same way that I do. And I know that I've never really spoken about assimilation and I've never really talked about it with people. Um, but that was just something that I really wanted to get off my chest. I'm very happy that, you know, some of my friends and some people who I didn't know just kind of reached out and said, Hey, this was like a really good thing. I'm happy you wrote it. And I don't write for other people, but it makes me happy that it reaches other people and well the thing is for me growing up being Asian was never a reason why kids would be mean to each other which I'm so lucky for (laughs) for all of that but when I moved an hour away and I remember being in like journalism class so this is high school 
a white kid was really hounding in on the fact that I must be so smart and every Asian stereotype out there like calling it all out oh yeah and I always saw stereotypes like oh who cares like if people think Asians are smart then let them think like what's so bad about that like oh do you they think you're smart but every race has their own set of stereotypes that they kind of make fun yeah. of in their own group as well and I remember like, being in high school and Asian kids would be to each other like, oh my God, your eyes are so small to each other. And I was like, okay, then I guess mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. No one really cares about stereotypes, but it's honestly like that underlying pressure that you have to fit in the certain way. Exactly. And I feel like really exactly. <laughs> explain that all in your article. Yeah. I, I like, I took a sociology, like intro to sociology class in like my freshman year of college. And like, there was an article that like we had to read that like really resonated with me and it's not just southeast or it's not just you know whatever have you it's like the asian stereotype that white people give like every asian you don't have to look like me you could look you know whatever have you but basically it was like the models uh immigrant i don't exactly remember what it's called but it's like the model immigrant like stereotype where you know there's a lot of people in the asian community who are doctors who are lawyers who are very successful but despite all that, like, we will never be equal to the white man. And despite our successes, despite our adventures, our discoveries, you know, unless you are white and you look white, you will never be quite equal, which is what I didn't understand. And, you know, when I was a kid, like, you know, a lot of people would say like, oh, I bet you're very smart because you're very Asian. And it used to be a compliment, you know, but then you think about it, like, I'm not the best at math. I do not <laughs> like that subject. I excel at others. Math is not what I excel at. And I just remember in high school, like people would always make fun of me if I got a bad grade or, you know, if I didn't do as well as I thought I would. And then that's kind of when I realized like, you know, maybe stereotypes are not, at least in the Asian community, you know, are not very good, Uh, especially, you know, they're kind of supporting the fact that like this stereotype of like the Asian descent, like they should be smart, that they should be all this, they should be that. I'm like, okay, but maybe not in the way that you think. And I know like for me, it's always been like the whole math thing. And like, I excel in science, I excel in English and history, but it kind of seemed like all of my white friends in high school would always ignore that and always just make fun of me if I like got a C on a test or if I just didn't do as hot as I thought I did. And that's kind of what made me think about my life and you know how people treat me as not just as like Emily but like as Emily who's an Asian American yeah and that whole thing like you're expected to be smart is so much pressure especially with family too which I never realized yes. until I read article but I was talking to my well especially when I talk to my dad I won't talk about friends in school life but mostly just about strictly my grades and my future and what I wanted because I felt more pressure from my own family rather than like people at school that if I didn't succeed, I'm ungrateful for the sacrifices that they've made for my future. And it's just like this overall anxiety that I'll never be good enough in like what they see as like, oh, this is what you need to be to excel. And, you know, like cousins going to like a nursing school or whatever, and I'm not doing the same thing. It's just like, there's so many other standards that I have to meet. Mm -hmm. And it's just overall anxiety because it's like I can't keep up with every single thing (laughs) all the expectations I know I'm really lucky that my mom you know while she is very like tough loving like she's my best friend but while she is very encouraging and say hey you should you know do the best you can I'm really grateful she has always been supporting everything I've decided to do I mean I know that particularly for me it's like my extended family who you know are not as they're a little you know you know what I'm saying it's exactly like you know upholding the expectation and like I just never want to put myself or anyone in a position where I or they feel like they can't do anything especially because like you know I'm lucky that I'm going to college and there's like a whole array of stuff I could do not just go to and for me like I know I mentioned this a lot on my podcast but I did drop out of university which for every single person that's like Asian that I tell, they're like, oh my God, what did your family say? Like, what are, why? And it's almost like, oh, I'm a disgrace to my family. And my dad's like, you have to make sure you have a backup plan because like, what is he supposed to tell to other people that, oh, his kid dropped out. But, you know, I'm just like trying to find my own way. And I'm lucky enough that I do have that support, Mm -hmm. like financial support even to try and be able to do that. But another quote that I really, really liked (laughs) was, I never could truly celebrate my existence without having to think about how other people will respond. Like, I felt that. that, And that's like beyond race and being Asian. I felt that because it's just like self-confidence. Like, why should I 
be proud if you know if someone else is doing this like and I compare myself to that it's like okay I'm proud of what I did and not what they did you know I mean of course I'm proud of them but like at the same time I shouldn't be comparing yeah which is also what you mentioned in your video (laughs) (laughs) that's how I felt like moving to LA so I go to school in Los Angeles but I'm in the back of the day for quarantine and as much as I I do love that city but I like to think for me at least it's a place where I would definitely go back and visit maybe hang out with friends just kind of explore city life but I know for me it's not the place I want to settle down and it's solely because of the way it made me feel that I couldn't really be happy for other people if they achieved something so great because I always felt like I was comparing myself to them. And it could be something as so simple as like getting a good grade or like internship opportunities um, or just like seemingly like they have a good life, you know? And that's kind of like my self-confidence kind of is translated, like not only because like I'm happy to be an Asian American woman like in the US, but also translated like once I kind of got over feeling bad about you know like my skin color how I looked like my self-confidence kind of grew because I kind of realized like you know you shouldn't really compare yourself which is easier said than done and I'm still working on that yeah and I'm in and out of LA all the time and just seeing people accomplish such great things even just like between podcasts and other people like running one too it's like oh my god they're achieving this why why haven't I done that yet but we're all just like at different levels and I mentioned this before but I just want to get to a point where I could see someone being so successful and I won't compare myself to them like good for them that they're successful and I should just be happy mm-hmm. for them because you know like I'm no I'm going to reach success at one point maybe now is not the time but I you know how is it their fault that I'm upset that they're successful like yeah like it's not their fault that I feel you know and I know that like I'm trying to tell myself I'm not running out of room because I often feel like you know I'm like I have like a year and a half until I graduate college, which is a sentence I didn't have never said out loud before. So that kind of made me, ooh. but um, I'm trying not to put myself in a box because I know my life begins once college ends, but like, I know what I want success to look like for me, but it might not exactly be that way, you know, in actuality or in practice. And that's something that I'm really trying to accommodate to and adapt, um, you know, cause in, in my head, Assuming I, you know, because when I was younger, like I wanted to be pop star and, you know, (laughs) being a recording artist is still something that I'm very interested in. However, I'm also equally as interested in public relations and like entertainment. And so like right now success looks like, you know, maybe in like a few years time, like when I'm experienced, I'll own my own PR firm and I will be like successful in the U.S. and internationally and then some, but that also might not be, you know, what my success story is. Um, So I'm trying not to measure it by where I am versus how I am today because I, I don't want to look back yeah my friends and I were actually just talking about like our dream lives like in the future and I'm like it's kind of gonna get really disappointing if if we don't actually achieve that and it's something completely different because of course right now our future looks completely different like I think I just said yeah to my friends like oh I want to get married at 27 I'm 21 right now and I'm like not dating anyone so how is that gonna like add up <laughs> yeah but I know it's just like I need to stop putting such like deadlines in a whole timeline for my entire life because it's like it's not gonna happen exactly the way you plan and I think that's why I have so much anxiety but like yeah. I just have to like let go of all that <laughs> question for you do you think that maybe your like motivation or your want to do like what you want to do is maybe not as because of maybe it's not the sole reason but a part of the reason is because like you are like part of you know like you are an Asian American woman so it's like two oppressed groups in the U.S. and like you want to kind of prove yourself because I know that's how I feel sometimes yeah definitely that's the thing that I you know in the future I think the biggest goal is to be able to provide for my family and you know have a place for them to live and I can take care of like all the finances and they would have like nothing to worry about and I think that's a goal for like a lot of people like that are Asian that they just want to care for their family and you know have like all their cousins like live in one house and all that and I just think like that's the dream and I mean who doesn't want that to just like relieve all your like parents like mortgages and like bills and stuff because I get to see now as Mm -hmm. I'm older that stuff adds up and things are so expensive I'm like okay I wish I could do that like take care of that and it's done (laughs) oh yeah I know that's like I don't know 
I've had when I was younger, like, you know, living in or I didn't live in Marin, but, you know, growing up to school there. And I spent when I was younger, I like I used to like to say, like, I spent my social life in Marin, but I would just come like to home on the side of the bridge just to like go to sleep and like eat dinner. But I just remember until I realized like what privilege is and how like not as privileged I was and I am compared to like my friends, you know, I thought it was totally normal to go to Europe like four times a year on vacation and it was completely normal to own like three four-story houses and you know like go out to eat every day and maybe that is a normal that's like normal for some people but I know that for the majority of America that's not and I was you know while I never lived that lifestyle I was always really grateful that I got to have that experience because it kind of translated into my life you know because I went to high school in Pacifica and like realizing that that's really not how a lot of America lives and kind of realizing that I was just kind of faking my lifestyle just because I really didn't know anything else which sounds kind of sad <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad that you brought up that, like oh people would go and be able to afford like European vacations because I thought that was just me like my friends will always be on some trip like whether it's Hawaii or New York or those damn European trips like I had a friend yep who her high school graduation gift was a trip to Paris like okay I got a red velvet oh my cake God, from no. Vons and I didn't <laughs> even get a lay or flowers I didn't get all of that and I was just glad that I got a cake but I'm I mean like right now before I get dragged from my friends <laughs> I know my family now <laughs> goes on trips more often because my dad is just like I want to see the world life is too short so we get to experience that which is weird because my sister is 11 and she's already been to like Paris yeah. and London like she's the kids that I was jealous of which <laughs> but I feel like I'm lucky I get to live the life I did I know a lot of people you know their parents pay for their college tuitions and all that mm-hmm. but sometimes I'm like okay I get I got to see my family evolve like we went from a family of five sharing a master bedroom so we could rent out other rooms in our house and like in and out of the hospital for like my mom or relatives and now Mm -hmm. I'm like living in a gated community in a two-story house it's like I get to appreciate that so much more and my brother and I were talking about like it's crazy that now we have our own beds because we used to just share with our siblings or like parents and I'm like I feel just grateful for that but of course it's like also not my fault like people get to live luxurious lives like yeah and they I know people have their own struggles but like I'm glad that I got to live the way I did yeah that's nice I I know that like I mean when I like say eat the rich you know it's mainly towards like the very rich individuals who don't need that you know for hoarding money uh Jeff Bezos (laughs) anyway but I know that like my friends or like people that I know who are very wealthy I never want to like shame them for like how they grew up or how they made their money because I mean assuming it's a totally ethical legal moral you know but I also know that like my friends who were very wealthy growing up like I don't think they could have a say in you know, if they're privileged or not. I mean, it's like, we don't get to choose. Like if everyone got to choose and it's like, yeah, basically like I get to see like, I know I do have like wealthy friends as well and they get to like grow up in their childhood homes, which I feel is just like the biggest luxury of all. Or I see like influencers in LA that I am lucky I get to work with and be friends with. And some of them come from nothing and live so luxuriously now and people hate on them for that. But I was like, if I had their fame, with my background and life sort of like mm-hmm. hell yeah I'd be at Boa and Saddle Ranch just like just because I can and I'm not one to judge them for like buying super expensive houses and clothes living their life <laughs> because it's exactly what I would do and it's the fact that I do the same thing because for the longest time I couldn't but do you feel like when you see like these influencers you know constantly out at like parties and like living their lives do you ever feel like jealous of that or like mad at them as the same like way other people do no because I don't feel like that's my lifestyle like I don't I'm not really a big fan of like going out and like being around that many people I used to think I was an extrovert but now I just feel like I kind of fluctuate in between um (laughs) but I don't feel jealous because I know that like where I am you know I always try to remind myself that like I don't need to have all of that in order to be very happy and that's not shaming anyone who like wants to have like fame or like expensive cars or whatever have you like I don't care but me personally like it's not where I would like to go and like not where I'm headed um so I I don't think I feel like quite jealous some but sometimes I'm just like people my age are so like successful and sometimes I'm like oh where am I (laughs) but I don't think I'm like jealous I just think it kind of like makes me think about where I think I should be and also like where I'm headed 
So I try not to be jealous. I think the funniest thing is that a lot of these people, like influencers that come to LA, they are like known because they're really attractive. And my friends and I talk about this all the time. It's like, they're getting paid because they look good. I'm like, and they'll be mad at it. I'm like, how is it their fault? Like they look like that. And some people get plastic surgery, but like at the same time, if you had the money, would you get the plastic surgery and like try to look as attractive Mm -hmm. as them and get money off of that? So it's just like this whole circle, like just say you're mad that you don't have what they have. (laughs) Like yeah I know the whole concept of like Instagram influencer kind of still kind of baffles me because maybe I don't know I know I'm 21 like I just turned 21 last week but I already feel so old like for example like the flared leggings trend on TikTok I was like that was just yoga pants when I was in middle school and like (laughs) I don't know like the concept of like young people having influence on even younger people kind of not, I'm not shaming anyone who is or wants to be one, but part of me is just kind of like what real world experience do some of these people have? Because I know that like just being interested in like makeup or beauty or whatever else have you or like lifestyle, like I don't think that makes people experienced in life. And I, I don't know, sometimes I'm just like, I don't know why people are just so focused on these like Instagram celebrities to kind of dictate how they should be buying makeup or stuff like that yeah I saw the funniest thing like it was some article and it was like oh Addison Ray washes her own dishes and she's like yeah I we don't use a dishwasher because my mom raised me on like this and I'm like okay why is that an article like do you not wash does everyone not wash their own okay wait I don't wait I don't want to I don't mean this in a bad way but I have no idea who Addison Ray is oh, I don't mean that oh in like gosh. a shady way I just don't know who she is well she's like a big TikToker and everyone I feel like everyone okay that's probably why I don't know I feel like everyone kind of like hates on her but she does like the same like things as everyone else I don't know. I don't know what, like, the whole hate is on, but, yeah. <laughs> the name sounds familiar. I just, like, don't know who, like, she is. But um, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like media and celebrity stuff is kind of weird. Because I know, like, when I was younger and I started paying attention to, like, tabloids and all that. And when I was, like, 12, 13 and, I, you know, you'd be in a hair salon and you read, like, people or, like, U.S. Weekly or whatever. Like, I used to think that was, like, hard-hitting journalism yeah. before I knew better. But, like, it's just making celebrities, you know, like, even if you are even like the least bit recognizable or like famous I don't like he's not white but we're using it anyway like they kind of people just kind of make it out seem like you're not human and then the second like you know you kind of do something or like famous people do something that's like you know you put a shopping cart or like you act you get in a car accident or something something it's kind of like oh this is big and then we need to report about it and it just makes human beings seem like you know they're not perfect which makes no sense to me I don't know the whole concept of celebrities too I'm just like why yeah and right now I'm like interning in PR and the amount of times like we are like watching celebrities whether they wore a piece or whatever and the amount of articles that comes from just like one celebrity wearing one thing like a vote mask and there'd be like a hundred articles about that and I'm like I can't even comprehend what kind of fame that is that you just do anything and there's so yeah. many articles in like like you mentioned like the magazines I remember there was one I forgot which magazine that did it but they were like oh celebrities are just like us and they'll be like grocery shopping or like getting coffee and I'm like what it's like so mundane and I'm when I was like younger I used to be like oh that's so cool but now I'm like no other people like I highly doubt if they you know like whatever who cares they're getting coffee who cares <laughs> yeah that's that's me personally I I've like surpassed the need in my life to keep up with celebrities I'm like I don't do what you want you're not paying my bills you're not like paying off my car loan or like my tuition um which makes me sound bitter but you know like I don't need to worry about it if they aren't like benefiting me which I don't know maybe that sounds cynical but I'm like um it's not my life well speaking of celebrities I saw that you were like invited to like Taylor Swift's house which first of all I've loved (laughs) Taylor since Fearless I, well, at first, I used to get her confused with, like, Carrie Underwood, but I knew about her, like, secret sessions, or she invited fans to her house, basically, and had a party to listen to her new album before it came out, but, like, before that, she had, like, the whole tea party in the reputation mm-hmm. room, where it's, like, a mini party of fans they selected from the audience to hang out after the show, but what is that like? That was, <laughs> that was nuts. I, so reputation like that album came out after her like hiatus or whatever when people were like oh you know where is she and I just kind of remember like 
my I mean obviously like I really wanted to meet her but I, I don't think I like would have cried like you know hysterically if like the opportunity never arose I mean I say that now with hindsight because I have met her but who knows but I don't know it was kind of weird because I remember it was in August like the second third week of August where like she was just doing so much like she was just putting out like two songs I think and she was kind of just kind of doing stuff like online and on tumblr and she follows my tumblr blog so I just remember like she would constantly just kind of like be liking a few of my posts and I didn't really think anything of it because it was the second time like the second secret session like hadn't happened yet and that was reputation and I was just kind of like oh that's very cool like she sees my blog which was very cool in itself (laughs) and then one day I you know I remember like I don't really remember why I remember this but I was volunteering at like my school special olympics and we'd host like every like year you know and I just remember like checking the time and I saw a message on Tumblr that was like confidential message don't share this with anyone unless it's a parent or guardian and I know that like a lot of my friends had been getting the same ones too but they were like fake and people were kind of just messing around because I know like it was just kind of nuts but I remember checking the account and it was like it was their URL and it was like kind of weird so I just gave my information and I was like I know this is a thing that happened because it happened with an night. Um, and then I found myself in LA like three days later meeting Taylor, which is very exciting. That's crazy. And I'm well, when the whole thing was happening and people were starting to like post pictures about it, mm-hmm. I was just like, I've supported her for so long. Like, how the <laughs> hell do I get an invite to her house? And I've also seen her like send out Christmas gifts. And I'm like, what about me? Like, <laughs> I wouldn't honestly be able to breathe if I met her because I just feel like I grew up listening to her. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I heard at the sessions that she takes you in one by one, like after you listen to the album and talks to you. And I'm like, oh, that, that terrifies Dude, it's me. Nuts. But- it's insane. I, I think like, <laughs> I joke about now saying like, I could definitely just meet any like artist after whatever happens to you like that I, you know, admire because like, I wasn't hysterically crying with Taylor. So I think I could do anything, <laughs> but I just remember feeling so, and I think maybe this is just me, but like, that's the beauty of like, of like Taylor at least to me she really just felt like a friend you were seeing after like not having caught up in a long period of time and it you know like I know the whole session was like a fan event I know that like you know like it was it wasn't just like me and her but it kind of just felt like you know we were all there just catching up on like a project that Taylor had worked on and then in turn like when I did speak to her one-on-one like we were not talking about her we were talking about like me and she was the one who started the whole conversation which I thought was kind of nuts oh my god and I was like you know that's that feels nice like to just talk because I I think that I mean I knew that there was going to be like a photo session but my mind did not go there I was just kind of like I just wanted to like speak to her for a little bit um and that was really nice because I, I think like she was the one who said like oh she I walked in and she was like oh you're Emily right like I was watching oh Instagram story earlier <laughs> and she was like talking about some stuff that I had done in the like previous like few weeks and I was like I did not was not aware that you were paying attention or like you bothered to like check up on me which I thought was pretty cool as well that's amazing and there's a picture of you holding her Grammy which is yeah amazing like I've held a Grammy before I'm not gonna say who because but it just holding one is makes you feel so elite like you're at the very top it does <laughs> and like for me the reason why it was just so special for me because I know there are a lot of other photos with like fans with Grammys and I'm not saying that mine's better <laughs> um but why I think <laughs> that wasn't me being shaky I was just saying why I think mine is just so special is because like <laughs> like okay obviously I'm just kidding um like I also write songs and I've also like you know just sing a whole bunch and that's something that Taylor and I Taylor like mentioned you know well she was the one who brought it up but then like we were talking about music and we were talking about writing and you know she was like oh I've definitely you know read a couple of your like of just stuff that you sent me or just stuff that you post online and she I I, like didn't know what to do for the photo and she turns around and the Grammy was like on the mental and she shoves it in my hand she's just like you can take a photo with that and like I almost dropped it because she like I was trying to adjust it and I was like oh I need to do every time I tell this story my face like gets so red because like I still can't believe it happened but she was just like oh just don't drop your grandma when you win one and I was like bro you can't just say that like right as we're about to take the photo (laughs) but that's why that's why like my photo means so much to me other than you know obviously the fact that like I've loved Taylor since I was like seven or eight but just the fact that she said that so casually and I'm like whether she meant to say that or not whether she was just kind of like bluffing or not she said it so casually and I was just like I don't I don't know what to do right now <laughs> like that was that was nuts I've never 
well okay maybe i did but there was like times i've seen celebrities especially in la one time i went to like a museum and jim carrey was there and the whole vibe of the room was just like everyone is looking at him and he's just like trying to talk to his friends or whoever he was with and i was like okay i can't go up to him because i'm like pretty young and i was like i don't want to seem like oh i have no idea i've only seen like what his famous movies and i don't not really a big fan but yeah. I just remember, like, everyone was staring at him. I was completely, like, shaking, and I couldn't even, like, move. And I I don't do well with, like, celebrities at all. Like, there was one, like, place I was interning at, and they had this party in Ed Westwick. So he's from Gossip Girl. He was there. And I, all of us are just, like, staring at him. And I'm like, there are people. Like, why can't I just, like, get over there and speak? <laughs> but... I can't imagine like having a one-on-one conversation like that especially with like, Taylor Swift like if I had a one-on-one conversation with like Celine Dion I'd probably like not speak and just like stare I would burst I was just like stare I'm like so you're a real human being um I don't know I feel like I don't know I just feel like I never really liked the way like media and like people made Taylor out to be and I know like I know that she's like a celebrity but I, you know, like if you've been a fan of, you know, of someone, like it doesn't have to be her, but just for so long and then they share like very important part of their lives with you. Um, I just feel like it was more on a personal level for me, even though like, I know we're not, you know, like best friends, you know, I don't have her number. She doesn't have mine <laughs> that I know of, but I don't know. I, I just think like, I, I never, I think I got over the whole like thing of celebrity when I realized like Taylor, while she is a celebrity, you know, and like the eyes of the media. She's also just like a regular human being who writes about her problems, which is like what I do, um, except I'm not a celebrity. So <laughs> that's kind of like for me when I like walked in and it was cool. She also had like Jack Antonoff who produces a lot of her music. Um, she had like oh, the Heim sisters who were there too, except for Este, I think. Um, Ruby Rose was there. Like a few other people were there too, which I thought was pretty cool. And like before I met Taylor, because we, some people kind of like made a line already because I think Taylor took like 20 minutes to kind of freshen up and you know do whatever and then people were kind of lining up one by one but I know me and like a few of my friends who were there who I didn't know were there which is pretty exciting we kind of just decided to just hang back and just kind of like <laughs> talk amongst ourselves and um that's when like I started talking to um Danielle Heim who like my friend loves her and I didn't realize that like, she was going to be there. And so I kind of started talking to her about it. Cause like my friend loves her. And then we ended up just talking about music in LA and San Francisco for like 20 minutes. And then, so she told me she had to leave and then she introduced me to Ruby Rose, which I thought was really cool. And then we ended up talking about politics for like 30 minutes too, before it's my time to meet her. And that's when I was truly like, okay, I don't really care about celebrities as celebrities, but it's just that they have really cool jobs and really cool like life experience but um yeah I, I knew like once I like talked to Ruby for like we just sat at Taylor's counter and we just talked for 30 minutes and I was like you know what like I already thought you were cool but I think you're even cooler now yeah and, and at least like now I feel way better like talking to celebrities because I've just like seen them so often now and like I've talked to them like when I first I think it was Madison Beer that was the very first like big person that I've met and she was just so kind and sweet and like we were just talking about like ice cream I think and I'm like you're so cool like you get to do all these cool things and that's all I really want to talk about and you know like now there's celebrities that I would just like totally be comfortable with like Shawn Mendes like I just feel like he's so relatable and like I could easily talk to but then what other celebrity would you like just die meeting because I know for me if I like met I don't know like julie andrews or like anne hathaway like the people that i grew up with (laughs) like watching i just don't know what to say because they just influence so much of my life yeah and like jennifer lopez like i would lose it (laughs) i don't know if i like okay maybe this is me talking now maybe i'm being too brave saying like i don't think i would get like choked up because again i always say if i was able to talk to taylor for like five ten minutes and not like cry then i think i'd be okay um, but I know, like, people who really want to meet, uh, I want to meet Issa Rae, like, I think she is just so fantastic, like, all around, and I love, like, what she's doing, like, because she created her own show, like, Insecure, and that's doing really well, and she's, like, starring in it, and screenwriting has been something that I've, like, been interested in, um, so that was, like, I just think she's great, and I didn't grow up with her, but, like, I just think she's great. I think RDJ is also someone else, like, I really want to meet, just because, like, Marvel is the first... I like to think it's the first thing my mom and I really bonded with um and she grew up with the comics I grew up with the films you know I'm trying to catch up on comics but 
I don't know, like, I love our DJ as, like, Tony and, like, all those other ventures. So I'm like, I'm going to meet you. Like, say, like, hey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I guess the only other person that I really, like, grew up with is, like, Justin Bieber. And there was this one time, I mean, I've seen him out of, like, out in a party before but I never talked to him mm-hmm. because why why would I talk to him <laughs> I'm just kidding yeah oh but like one time my friends and I were like walking in the city and we saw him like across the street and my friends know that I love him and like a big fan they're like trying to push me to like go over across the street and this was like in his like edgy phase where he wasn't like really talking to anyone okay and he like yeah. a bunch of like entourage and so as we're crossing the street and like getting close to him, his hand was like already like kind of out, like trying to like tell us to back away. And I was like, I didn't even think twice. I just like turned around and left. And I was like, okay, that's it. That's all I need. Yeah, I think like, that's something that I think is kind of strange too. Like if I see, and I'm not saying I see a lot of celebrities on the street or whatever, um, but I do like occasionally from time to time, I don't run in, but like I see some like in a cafe or just on the street. Um, like I genuinely don't think I'd go up to them at all if I knew that like if they just looked like they were talking to a friend or just alone especially like I I wouldn't ask for a photo as well because I don't know to me that just seems so impersonal like I already feel weird seeing people that I know on the street and like did not plan on seeing so I can't imagine like like I know who you are but you don't know who I am and that's kind of that's a little mm. yeah I mean I don't Taylor's yeah Taylor's probably only person I would probably say hi to but again she like does not go in public <laughs> I I don't even ask like my friends for pictures like with my best friend I don't ever yeah, have a picture because I'm like okay I'm not gonna waste time because I don't want yeah I know I'm, yeah. like there's like what like a 50% chance I don't look good and then we just waste the time like trying to take pictures I'll just rather hang out yeah I also feel for like people so like I've definitely met internet friends that get concerts and stuff and I think because I know that I won't see them until the next show or, you know, whatever have you, then I'll take photos. But like, I just, one of my friends, Mari, like we've been friends on Tumblr for like a few months now. And we finally met up like the few months ago to like study and like go get coffee, like very safely. Um, but we, I don't think we have like a single good photo. That's not just like a joke, you know, just not kind of like <laughs> ugly selfie because like, I, I know she lives like 30 minutes from me and I know that I'll probably see her and hang out with her more once the pandemic ends um and it's just kind of stuff like that where I just like I don't think about it so I I feel like if I spoke to a celebrity on the street I probably would not I mean I wouldn't do it consciously because I don't want to be that fan but also I I'm just like I really don't care I would rather have like a good quality conversation than be like oh I want a photo so I can prove to people that I met so-and-so yeah well moving on from all celebrities, I guess. <laughs> but I saw a tweet that you said you created like a coming of age TV show as an assignment about a young Asian American yeah. moving to LA and her experiences. <laughs> Is that like the overall plot or like what direction were you trying to take it? That's really funny that you mentioned that. Um, so it was for an assignment that I like really thought, I don't know, I, I was like really nervous for, because the so the way the assignment would work was the midterm would be like our proposal of whatever it is we were going to have and then our final project would be kind of the rundown of whatever you know you picked and so for me I decided to write write a tv show and then my final thing was like a I created a playlist and that basically follows the whole plot of like the entire season one of like this big show um but like I think what my professor and we presented this over zoom so I want to say there's probably like 30 35 kids in that class including myself and I feel like what people didn't realize was that was like 99% of it was based on like my life and like my experience going to college um and I can only write basically like about my life and to like I don't know kind of cope with all that and just you know write just because I feel like I can write best about what I know and what I've experienced um but I I don't know that's like still something I like really think about often because like you know if it is a real tv show I'd be super happy like I think I'd watch it too but I wanted it basically just to be a representation of like the Asian American community um but also just touch you know like in a comedic you know like a humorous style just touch on like social issues that people are very scared to talk about and then at least for what I was thinking it was like assimilation because of like the article that I had just written and I published that like a few weeks before I decided to write like this fake TV proposal, but I really wanted just to talk about how like children of immigrants, especially if you're first generation, like how assimilating is such an important part of like growing up. And I didn't realize it until like college when I was just kind of like, you know, I feel kind of weird 
you know, not being accepted as an American, but also not being accepted on like my Asian side. And then, you know, even though I am an Asian American, there's really no definitive way I could say that because there's some people who like do not care for my race at all. And then I know some of my Asian relatives like who moved from Indonesia are like, you need to keep the culture. And I'm like, um, I'm trying, I'm trying. I have had like a story writing class where we also had to like come up with like TV show plots, which mine are so bad. I think one of them was like, cause it would have to be like based on genres or whatever we were given. And I think one of them was like, what happens when like the world suddenly goes dark, like the sun disappears? And I'm like, okay, that's stupid. But then there's another (laughs) one where I was like a TV show, but like tells you what happens, like, you know, like romantic comedies, like, yeah, they get together, but like them like past that and trying to figure out like what an actual relationship is. And that also turned out like pretty bad just because I didn't want to seem like narcissistic, like, oh, mm-hmm. I want a TV show written about me because my life is like so interesting or whatever. <laughs> but I always feel like, oh, I feel like I'm the main character sometimes in my life. And like sometimes things in my life that are like, I can't, you can't make this up. Like, yeah. I just want that to be like, on a show. I know that like why I decided to write that is because the assignment was, so we like studied a whole bunch of these theories like in this class. And the, you know, you basically had to create like a, book series or a tv show film whatever um so I use what's called cultural analysis and that's something that we like talked about for a few days and like basically that's like in the media like all the stereotypes that you see about like different groups of people that's kind of like ingrained in like America's you know like the American audience this is mine and like it's basically like the social rhetoric of how essentially like white people treat everybody else Um, And I really wanted to change that because there are a lot of like white stories that have been told and are continued to be, you know, shown. And I'm not saying that those aren't important, but it's also important to talk about like black stories and Asian stories and whatever have you, you know? Yeah. And like, that's particularly true for me because, you know, Crazy Rich Asians was something that like made me so happy. And, you know, I didn't want to like copy that work or, you know, I didn't really want to you know, mimic mm-hmm. that, but I really wanted to tell like an Asian American perspective and particularly mine because it, you know, I feel like while people can't really relate to me like directly, you know, cause like my experience is so different from everyone else. I think people, a lot of people like, and not just like the Asian community can really relate to assimilating and just what it feels like to be a first gen, like, especially if you're the first one going to college, um, just like how that feels about having that pressure of being an immigrant child a child of an immigrant and like how that really affects you especially when you're trying to seem very American um and I know for me that was like trying to seem very American in front of my white friends and I I don't think fried rice is like a dish that people think is disgusting but I remember like when I'd eat fried rice like a few days in a row like in middle school like people would make fun of me and I would tell my mom I'm like don't make this like give me a hamburger or something and not realizing (laughs) it's like that was really dumb of me but I also didn't know better. Yeah, and I definitely think like a lot of people just want representation because you know there are shows out there like I love coming of age movies and shows and you know when they show like even just like the tiniest bit of like Asian culture I'm like oh I can I'm like yeah yeah, you can see me like but it's definitely another feeling like seeing someone look exactly like me and know exactly Mm -hmm. like where I'm coming from and like my mindset and I feel like it is getting better with shows like what Netflix is doing like with Grand Army and like there's some Disney shows I feel like Andy Mack was like one of them but also it was kind of like whitewashed also and her dealing with like so many other issues that they're trying to get there but there was a show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and so Josh Chan he's Filipino and I'm I'm Filipino I'm like okay the culture is getting out there and we're like not getting mixed with like other Asian like groups or like we're not seen as like Mexican I'm like that's my culture and I'm like finally it's like there yeah I know that like coming of age and you mentioned coming of age like being which is kind of like half of what I wanted to do um like it is a coming of age story but like you see so many coming of age like films and stuff with like white the white teenage girl trope like I love Ladybird I love Booksmart but both of those also have like white female teenage leads don't think that's a bad thing because you know white girls also need to relate to stuff yeah. um like I love Greta Gerwig I love Olivia Wilde but I was also kind of like I don't really see a lot of like comedy coming of age with like people of color that resonate kind of as like big of an impact as you know they have like those films have um so I wanted to kind of with this fake tv proposal 
challenge that rhetoric of, you know, like children of immigrants can be very funny. Maybe the humor isn't as dry as like, oh, I got an F on my test, but you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. I just really wanted, I also want to just give way to like different perspectives. And I know that like overnight, I'm not going to be, you know, having this huge TV show that's going to change the world or whatever. But I, I feel like even if I could just practice, you know, like screenwriting or just practice like what I preach, even if it's like just to myself or for a few people, I think that would. I feel like, th- I mean, there's so, there are so many plots, like, and they all kind of like follow the same thing, like, oh, trying to find yourself. But it's like tr- having a whole, whole cast that has like diversity and like different types of cultures. That's all we want, like just to be seen out there and yeah. just like white people Seriously. on the screen. But my friends and I were like, oh, our lives could definitely be like a TV show. And we were like, oh, let's just try to make like, try to see like what relationships we have with each other because it is like so chaotic mm-hmm. I mean like my friend group is like we got a rebellious son from like a pastor's family like a kid who <laughs> moved with his director on that's already like a story in itself like <laughs> yeah. totally already and I'm like of course there's those of us that are just like college students and like trying to figure out like what's going on and I feel like there's just so many different stories and plots out there that it, you don't have to cast a white person for like they yeah not just them that fit into that role like specifically for mine like the so it's Alice Montgomery is like the Asian American kid who like goes to LA um and then her best her two best friends that she meets like at school are based on my like two of my real life best friends um so one of them is like a black Muslim and so my friend Mari she grew up in Egypt um and then moved to the Bay Area and she's also been having the struggle of like assimilating between like her American side and etc and then the other character is um, is a Latina. And so there's already, you know, a struggle about being, um, you know, just kind of like who she is as a person. And I feel like it's not just about white people supporting like people of color or vice versa, but it's just about like, you know, the real world doesn't have just white people. It's not just like one person of color of yeah. this group and one of that group. It's just like a whole mix of like people and like a whole mix of issues that really need to be talked about. Because, you know, I, I feel like just being silent, even if it's just like, representation because Mulan for me it was like the only representation that I felt and then I grew up and then I was like okay but why was it only one yeah like why was it only one person that you know was, like looks like me <laughs> yeah but like is creating a tv show like one of your dreams and like a passion <laughs> I think it is now I it is now I like don't know why or when or like whatever the circumstance but like I am so into screenwriting like I just write tidbits like on my own I don't know where that started but like I did not I'm always trying to find ways to practice writing and like this is a form of creativity and like now creating a fake tv show has kind of inspired me I'm like you know what maybe I can do this one day so hopefully like that's something I could totally do but I also just feel like I have way too many things like that I'm interested in and I have to kind of pace myself and be like just do one thing at a time first that's definitely me (laughs) but well at least your tv show isn't like the typical like midwestern girl coming to LA and like going to parties and like going with that whole LA culture as well yeah for like my story there's definitely gonna be that like she tries to do the whole party girl thing and kind of realizes that like it's fun but it's not for her because I know that like that's what I did and I was like oh I want to go out and do all this stuff and I did it once and I was like no it's not for me (laughs) um but I don't know and I know that like I'm bisexual and I know that my character is definitely going to go through a phase where she's like oh no like the girl from down the hall is really cute but like do I think she's cute or do I like like her so there's a whole lot of stuff to unpack there the thing with LA as well it depends like what part you're going to but there is definitely like so many different types of vibes over there and mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people see but like what's on Instagram so all the like the luxurious stuff and parties but I had a friend who like was starting his photography career so he just like got into the wrong crowd and I quickly like mm-hmm. saw him like change into becoming a partier like doing drugs and alcohol like 17 18 but it was just like the type of people he surrounded himself with so yeah. living in LA I wish like everyone saw like every single aspect of it because it isn't just like going out with friends like making TikToks or whatever <laughs> yeah it's definitely not I know that like when I first moved to LA like I mean I, I for pre-context like I did meet Taylor in LA like that's where like I met her and I just feel like a lot of people like because I ran into Frankie Grande in LA and I like I don't know I feel like I was fairly very happy like when I first moved and I think a lot of people just assumed I was like you know doing the whole going to parties and partying with celebrities and I was like that's not what I'm doing I promise you I'm crying <laughs> over finals I'm not doing that but also this project like was so cool because my professor like he would give 
feedback to every student like afterwards but he was I was like okay hit me with the feedback and he was like I have nothing like it's great it's great as it is and I was like I feel so validated because this is like my life through and through with like a few like fibs but yeah that made me really happy and that's what I was kind of like okay maybe I want to create this tv show I mean my dream is definitely creating a tv show at first it was like oh a coming of age movie but I'm like okay I have at least six seasons in my head like trying to figure it out and I'm like yeah I do want it surrounded by like it's about my story but definitely I wanted like other people's story because it's not just like I can't represent everyone and I of course like so many people do it and I feel like I really wish like Freeform or something because I'm like Netflix but like some people don't have Netflix so I really wish like Freeform or like Disney. I just feel like for me I we also had to like basically like find a place to pitch in. I put HBO because I feel like they're pretty good track record with like controversial topics and like you know not canceling stuff after like a season or two yeah but like I mean I love you Netflix though but yeah (laughs) sometimes I'm just kind of like I don't know I mean like I would try to do like Disney but they have like that four season and then they cut it off which I don't know why because if it's like doing well then why would you cut off and cancel a show yeah. I'm like I don't I, I'm like all of me is wanting to say like oh it's about them being like racist or homophobic I mean I don't really know but also I'm just kind of like the track record of like shows that have like even the slightest bit of representation being canceled after a season I'm just like I don't I don't know I think if it were real I, I feel like I probably would not pitch it to Netflix unless I wanted to risk like it going down the gutter maybe I'm gonna regret saying this <laughs> later on I'm so sorry <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> no, but like I really wish like a like a kids show would like pick up something like this because you know kids are like trying to figure themselves out and they're you know like me growing up like watching TV it's like oh no one looks like me but I'm trying to like fit into their roles and like mm-hmm. try to be like a white person and try to change who I am and like goodbye of my culture oh, yeah. because I'm like why does it matter if like people just care about this yeah and I know like growing up like that's I think well, I think about it now, like, that's probably what has, like, contributed to my want and need to assimilate to, like, Amer- like white America. Um, just as, like, I don't know, I really want it to be accepted. And I still do want to be, like, well, I want to be celebrated. I don't want to be accepted. But, like, I still want to feel like I'm a part of, like, this country because I do live here and I want to make it a better place for me and for, like, my community and for other communities that I'm not a part of. But, like, it's really hard when white people are kind of like turning off the TV, like if there's a person of color or maybe if they're not straight or whatever have you. But I'm like, if I had to spend my 21 years of life relating to white people because there were no other, you know, there was no other character who looked at me. Like, I think you can definitely, like you don't have to relate to the person of color. You could definitely just accept that this is their perspective. Um, and like, you know, it's, it's not like some fantasy that people are like, oh, I have to assimilate. Like it's a real thing that like people of color, like of first generation people of color, like, deal with well I fully support this show and I hope like something someone out there better have like connections and pick this up because I feel like it definitely is needed right now and I just think about like me when I'm younger like what I want to see on tv and of course like when I'm younger it's like I think like that's a raven like that was probably like the only different thing but also it wasn't my culture that I could completely relate to but as we're wrapping up we try to ask this to everyone, but what are words that you live by? Words that I live by? Um, my mom, when I was younger, would always say, take one thing at a time, whether it be a step, one day, um, a moment. And I think that's so important because it makes me realize that I do have the rest of my life to do everything that I want and that I should not box myself in just because I feel like other people are pressuring me or I'm pressuring myself. So take it one day at a time, truly because you don't have to do everything right now in order to prove that you are successful. Um, and that's something I try to live by because I love my mom. She's never wrong, never led me wrong. But um, also <laughs> it's just important for me to realize that I don't have to be the first one to finish the race in order to prove myself. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Same thing like, you know, small accomplishments are still accomplishments. And I think that we just put so much pressure on ourselves to like neglect that. But say like, oh, you're you have like a depressive like state or mind, and you can't get out of bed. If you go out of bed and like ate breakfast, that's an accomplishment on its that's own, it. and like you're good to go. Like that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's why I always try to say like, take it just one thing or like one step. Just I don't know. I just feel like it's important to celebrate like the small accomplishments um, as well as 
you know, the very big ones. And it's just important to recognize that, like, you know, what you see on social media and also what, like, other people happen to kind of be doing does not mean that you are not going anywhere. It just means you haven't gotten there yet. That's so positive. And I'm like, I love that. (laughs) Thank you. I'm finally just trying to be positive right now. (laughs) Well, thanks, Emily, for being here. This is honestly so much fun. And of course, I'll link her article because I, again, you have to read it. Thank you. And all her socials in the description. And you can find us at the Puzzle Society if you missed her video about self-confidence, because that's also a good one. And, you know, if you're listening and want to hang out with me for an hour, hit us up. You can also be a guest on the podcast. We're open to anyone. But other than that, thanks for listening and hope to talk to everyone soon.